As a medical professional, you're probably consumed by your work. Because of that, you likely miss out on big opportunities to protect and grow the wealth you work so hard for. Luckily, through passive real estate investing, you can place your capital in the hands of trusted syndicators who do all the legwork while you sit back and let your money work for you. Syndicators like Ascent Equity Group. Ascent Equity Group is led by three medical professionals turned full-time real estate investors who have secured a quarter of a billion dollars in assets in just three years. And their latest opportunity, Sunrise and Chandler, is open now. Sunrise and Chandler is an exciting 177-unit value-add multifamily opportunity in the affluent city of Chandler, Arizona. This Class B asset in a Class A location was secured at a significant discount and is already cash flowing out of the gate, with 89% of the units still in need of renovation. Sunrise and Chandler is close to meeting its capital raising goal and will be closing soon. So if you'd like to learn more, visit ascentequitygroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only. You can cover those costs yourself if you have that money sitting in an account or if you want to put it on credit cards. Or you and your business partner can split those costs and then, of course, reimburse yourself at closing. Best ever listeners, where are you going to be on February 22nd and 23rd? I am visualizing that you're going to be in Denver, Colorado, because that's where the best ever conference is. And that's when it is February 22nd, 23rd. Go to besteverconference.com and even put in take five so you get 5% off your ticket. So that is T-A-K-E and the number five whenever you purchase your ticket. And buy now because ticket prices go up weekly. So go to besteverconference.com. You can read all about the conference, the agenda, the speakers. We've got an incredible speaker list focused on commercial real estate. So that includes five plus units if you're in multifamily. And you're going to get a lot of value from this conference. Go to besteverconference.com. It's the third time we've done it. It improves every year and we have raving reviews. I'm not just saying it. Ask people who have attended every year. Besteverconference.com. Enter take five, T-A-K-E five when you purchase your ticket and get an extra 5% off. Ticket price is going up weekly, so get it today. There needed to be a resource on apartment syndication that not only talked about each aspect of the syndication process, but how to actually do each of the things and go into it in detail. And we thought, hey, why not make it free too? That's why we launched Syndication School and Theo Hicks will go through a particular aspect of apartment syndication on today's episode and get into the details of how to do that particular thing Enjoy this episode, and for more on apartment syndication and how to do things, go to apartmentsyndication.com, or to learn more about the Apartment Syndication School, go to syndicationschool.com so you can listen to all the previous episodes. Hi, Best Ever listeners. Welcome back to another episode of the Syndication School series, a free resource focused on the how-tos of apartment syndication. As always, I'm your host, Theo Hicks. Each week, we air a podcast series about a specific aspect of the apartment syndication investment strategy, and for the majority of these series, we'll be offering free documents or spreadsheets for you to download. 
All of these free documents and previous Syndication School series can be found at syndicationschool.com. We just finished up an eight-part series about raising capital from passive investors. So I highly recommend that you listen to that episode. It moves us one step closer to you launching your apartment syndication empire. In this episode, this will be part one of a two-part series entitled How to Structure the GP and LP Compensation. And as a refresher, the GP or general partnership will be you and anyone else that you bring on as a team member, so a partner, a loan guarantor, sponsor, people like that. And the LP are going to be your passive investors. So GP, general partnership, LP, limited partners. So by the end of this episode, you will learn how to structure the general partnership. So we're going to go over the five parts of the general partnership, as well as the responsibilities and ownership percentages of each of those roles. And then tomorrow, or if you're listening to this way in the future, the next episode, part two, we will go over the limited partner compensation. So if you remember, back when you were forming a team, you discussed the reasons why you would bring on a partner, as well as we talked a little bit about the loan guarantor sponsor slash key principal. So those are going to be two people that are potentially on the general partnership, including yourself. So it's a total of three people. Most likely, when you're first starting off, it's not just going to be you on the general partnership because you haven't done a deal before. We've talked about this before, but you're going to have a credibility challenge with your investors because they're going to say to themselves, hey, you haven't done a deal before, so why should I trust you with my money? And one of the ways to address that objection is to bring on partners and team members who have done apartment vacations in the past. So starting out, the GP will likely be a group, but... It is possible, I guess technically starting out, and more likely in the future for you to be the general partner yourself. So it's possible, but most likely it's going to be a group. So for example, Joe and Frank are partners on the general partnership, as well as for my business, it's going to be me and Matt are the main general partners. But I know for Joe and Frank, they bring on other general partners to help them raise capital, and me and Matt will do the same as well as having to bring on a loan guarantor to help us qualify for financing. So the general partnership can be structured in any way, and all the ownership percentages are completely negotiable between the two partners. So what I'm going to go over in this episode is going to be kind of a generic overview of how the general partnership can be structured, but there's always going to be exceptions. For example, if I don't really know anything at all about apartment syndications, but got access to maybe a couple hundred thousand dollars in capital. I could partner with someone, raise part of the capital for that deal, but I'm likely not going to get a percentage of the GP that's in proportion to the amount of money I raise because I'm not necessarily bringing a lot of value. So that's just one example, but again, it's completely negotiable, and I just want to kind of give you an idea of how general partnerships are commonly structured. So Overall, there are going to be five different parts of the GP, and for each of these parts, there is a specific responsibility as well as a specific ownership percentage. So the first part is going to be the person or persons who front the due diligence costs. So we haven't discussed the due diligence on this syndication school series yet, but overall, The due diligence is going to be the period between the time you sign the purchase sales agreement, so once you get the property under contract, 
from then until you close on the deal. Between then, there's a variety of different tasks that need to be completed in order to close on the deal. So having the property inspected, getting the appraisal, getting the environmental, doing lease audits, getting the operating agreements and all the different agreements between you and your investors signed, securing the financing, things like that. And that's going to cost you some money. And since you haven't closed on the deal yet, you're not going to have access to your investor's capital to cover this. So someone's going to have to come out of pocket and front these costs. But of course, you can raise extra capital in order to reimburse these costs at closing, but you still need the money. So here's a list of some of the upfront due diligence costs to expect, as well as the range of costs associated with each of those. So you're going to have the lender and due diligence fees. So those are the fees you pay to the lender for them to do their due diligence. So expect to spend about two grand to up to $10,000 on those, depending on how large the project is. You're also going to have to perform a property condition assessment, a PSA, which is a very detailed inspection of the apartment. And expect to pay anywhere between $50 and $250 per unit for that. You're also going to need to get an environmental survey called the Phase 1 Environmental, so that'll cost about two grand. You're going to have to do a unit walk inspection, so each of the individual units is walked and inspected. That'll be about 25 bucks per unit. You'll have the lease audit, where your property management company will sit down, or a consultant will sit down and go through all the leases to make sure that they're written legally by the book, as well as to make sure all the terms are accurate based off of the rent roll and the financials that they provide. So that'll be about $25 per unit as well. Then there's the property survey where they map out the property, check out boundaries, things like that. That'll be about five grand. Then you're going to have your earnest deposit. So that's something that is going to be negotiable, but expect that to be between one to 2% of the purchase price. And that's just that small down payment that you put into escrow to show your intentions to purchase the property. It has some skin in the game early on. You're also going to have the lender application deposit. So that's you paying the lender to do the application process for you to qualify for the loan. So credit checks, things like that. That'll be about 25 grand. Then if you apply for agency debt, which I know we haven't discussed debt on the podcast yet, but but we'll get into that. But agency debt will be Freddie or Fannie Mae debt. And you have the ability to pay the lender to lock in a rate. So let's say your due diligence period is 90 days and the interest rate is 5% right now, but you think that it might be going up to 5.2% or 5.25%. By the end of 90 days, you can pay money in order to lock in that interest rate because a 5% interest loan will have a lot lower debt service than a 5.25% interest loan. And that adds up over multiple years. So that'll be approximately 2% of the loan balance. And then you have the legal fee. So you're going to pay out an attorney to create the operating agreements, which could be anywhere between 350 bucks all the way up to $15,000, depending on, again, how complicated the partnership structure is. You're also going to need that private placement memorandum, which essentially goes through all of the risks associated with the deal and describes the deal and the partnership in great detail. That could be anywhere between five grand and $15,000. You can have your subscription agreement with your investors where they promise to buy shares at a set price and you promise to sell those shares at a set price of the LLC that owns the property. That could be anywhere between $350 to $5,000. You're also likely going to put the property in an LLC. So you'll have to pay to have that LLC formed. 
that could be anywhere between $200 if you're doing it yourself online, up to two grand if you're having a attorney help you out with that. And of course, there's going to be fees associated with your attorney negotiating on the loan documents, and that is most likely going to be some sort of hourly rate. So I went over all the numbers, and that adds up to five figures and possibly up to six figures. So that's on a very, very large deal. Someone's going to have to front that money. So a couple of strategies for this part of the general partnership. One is that you can cover those costs yourself if you have that money sitting in an account or if you want to put it on credit cards. Or you and your business partner can split those costs and then, of course, reimburse yourself at closing. Another way is to borrow money from a family or a friend and then sign a personal guarantee promising to pay them back at closing. And I believe this is what Joe actually did for his first deal to cover those due diligence costs. Or you can ask one of your passive investors to front the cost and then promise to pay them back at closing with some sort of interest rate or without an interest rate. kind of depends on your relationship with that person. So if you cover the costs yourself or if you and your partner do it, then that's not really going to have any sort of impact on the share of the general partnership unless one partner covers it and the other one doesn't cover it. But if you have a passive investor affront those costs, or if you've got some sort of family member that's fronting those costs and you don't want to pay them an interest rate, you can give them a percentage of the GP, and that could be a low percentage, about 5%. But make sure you consult with your attorney first because people on the GP have to have an active role in the deal. So just make sure you're going by the book when offering up ownership percentages for fronting those due diligence costs. So that's kind of task number one of the general partnership. Number two is going to be the acquisition management. So this will be the person or people who are responsible for finding deals. So they're going to be generating off-market leads as well as focusing on building relationships with commercial real estate brokers to find on-market deals and cultivate that relationship so they increase the probability of being awarded the deal. Once a deal is identified, they're responsible for evaluating the deal, so performing the underwriting, visiting the property in person, driving the market, things like that. If the deal makes sense and the results of the underwriting are returns that meet the investor's goals, then they're also responsible for submitting offers on those deals. Then if offer is accepted, they'll be the ones that go through the best and final seller call if that's what they do, or responsible for making sure that the PSA is signed and all the terms are correct. Once the deal is under contract, they're going to be responsible for managing that due diligence process, so inspections, appraisals, working with the lender, working with the private management company to make sure that all the due diligence is covered. They're also going to work with the lender or mortgage broker to secure financing on the deal. And then they will be the one who also oversees the closing process. So essentially, they're responsible for, as the name implies, the acquisition tasks. So going from finding the deals all the way to closing on the deals. And this person should be given approximately 20% of the general partnership. So now we're up to 25% between those first two tasks. Number three is going to be the sponsor. So this is going to be the individual or group of individuals who sign on the loan. The sponsor is also referred to as the key principal, or I like to call them just the loan guarantor. So for the first-time syndicator, you likely will not have the liquidity net worth, or experience requirements to qualify for the loan. So you're going to need someone else that has experience with a similar size deal 
The experience requirements is kind of vague, but with talking through lenders, that's kind of what they're going to look at. Does this person signing on the loan have experience taking a similar size deal and a similar investment strategy full cycle? You're also going to need to find someone with the net worth requirements. So that's going to be a net worth equal to the loan amount. And then you're also going to need liquidity requirements. These also kind of vary, but a good rule of thumb is 10% of the principal loan amount in liquidity. So ideally, you can find a sponsor that covers all three of these requirements. That way you don't have to worry about having too many people on the DP and having to split this role between many people. But again, it's better to get a deal done and have a ton of loan guarantors than not getting a deal done at all. So the compensation for this sponsor, this loan guarantor, is going to vary from deal to deal. It can be a one-time fee that's paid to them at closing, or it can be an ongoing percentage of the general partnership, or it can be a combination of the two. So for a one-time fee, it can be as low as 0.5 to 1% of the loan balance, or as high as 3.5% to 5% of the loan balance paid at closing, depending mostly on the risks of the loan. So if it's a bridge loan that's recourse, you're going to have to pay a larger guarantee fee or a larger one-time fee to that person as opposed to a 12-year Freddie Fannie loan that's non-recourse. And else, it's also going to depend on your relationship with that person. Because so if you know them really well, you can probably get away with offering them a lower fee. But if you don't know the person, then you're going to have to attract them with a higher fee. It also depends on the investment strategy. So if you have a distressed deal, you're probably going to have to pay more than you would for a value-add deal than you would for a turnkey deal. Now, again, you could also offer them an ongoing percentage of the general partnership, and this can be as low as 5%, and the highest I've seen is actually 20% for this. So 20% obviously seems very high, but again, it's better to give away 20% of the GP in order to close than to not give away 20% and not have the ability to close on the deal. But more likely to be able to find someone closer to the 10% to 15% range. And again, that range is going to be based off of your relationship with the person, the risks associated with the loan, and the risks associated with the investment strategy. So now we're up to between 30% and 45% of the GP. The next part, part number four, is going to be the person who is responsible for investor relations. So this is a person who is responsible for finding the passive investor. So they spend time on the thought leadership platform and reaching out to different people they know on LinkedIn or on bigger pockets posting a ton in order to generate interest from passive investors before a deal is found. Once a deal is actually found, they're going to be responsible for presenting that deal to the investors as well as securing commitments from those investors in order to fund the equity investment for the deal. And then once the deal is closed, they're responsible for notifying the investors, setting expectations for communication and distributions moving forward, and then execute on those expectations of sending out monthly updates, sending out financials quarterly, and making sure that the person responsible for sending out the distributions is doing so on time and that those distributions are accurate. So this person should be or could be given about 35% of the general partnership. This could be one single person raising all the capital or a combination of people raising capital. And I guess the most fair way would be to allocate that 35% in proportion to the amount of money that the individual raised. 
But again, that's going to be completely negotiable between you and those people raising the capital. 35% is what Joe does. For me, we actually do 40% just because we're so new. We're likely not going to be able to raise all the capital ourselves. And so we wanted to allocate a large chunk of the GP to the person responsible for raising capital so that we could attract people to fund our deals as opposed to someone else's deal who maybe only has 20% allocated to the person responsible for raising money. So that's number four. So now we're up to 65% to 80%. So then that remaining 20% to 35% will go to the person who is responsible for task number five, which is going to be the asset management. So this is the person who ensures that the property management company is implementing the business plan after the property is closed on. This includes things like conducting weekly performance reviews with the site manager, frequently visiting the property in person, analyzing the market and the competition on a consistent basis, and addressing really any issue that arises during the hold period. And again, this person will be given 20% to 35%, depending on kind of the previous four tasks. So those are the five different tasks. There's asset management, investor relations, the sponsor, acquisition management, and due diligence costs. Now, those are five tasks, but they don't necessarily need to be assigned to five different people. So for example, you and your business partner could both go 50-50 on the due diligence costs. And then maybe one of the partners is responsible for acquisition management and asset management. So they do essentially all of the operational tasks. And then the other partner could be responsible for the investor relations. And then they both could find someone to sponsor the deal. And that person is given a ownership percentage in the deal. And then ideally, eventually, they could be the people who are able to sponsor the deal. So there's only two people on the general partnership. Or it could be something like one person is responsible for acquisition management executive who just does acquisitional tasks. And then once they're done, they hand it off to the asset manager and then they go back to finding more deals. So you've got an acquisition person, an asset management person, and then maybe you've got five people who are focused on raising money. Or maybe you've got two people who are focused on raising money and then one person does the ongoing communications. And maybe you've got three different people sponsoring the deal and... Those people who are sponsoring the deal are also helping you cover the due diligence costs. So really, everything is possible. The general partnership could be a few people to 10, 20 people. It really varies from deal to deal and group to group. But most likely, on your first few deals, there's going to be multiple people on the GP. Because again, you're likely not going to be able to sponsor the deal yourself. You might also not be able to cover the due diligence costs. And then you might also need to have someone with experience to the asset management or the acquisition management while you focus on just raising money, for example. So again, just to summarize, the five main parts of the general partnership are the due diligence costs, which could receive 5% of the GP. Then there's the acquisition manager who could get 20% of the GP. There's the sponsor, so the loan guarantor, person who signs on the loan, 5 to 20%. There's a person responsible for investor relations, around 35%. And then there's an asset manager with 20% to 35%. And again, these are just very high-level percentages and kind of breaking apart the tasks. It's all negotiable, and it's definitely going to vary from deal to deal and syndicator to syndicator. So that concludes the GP compensation. Uh, in part two, we're going to discuss the other side of the coin, which is how to structure the limited partner or the passive investor compensation. 
So, to listen to other syndication school series about the how-tos of apartment syndications, and make sure you download those free documents that we offer. Those are all available at syndicationschool.com. Thank you for listening, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Best ever listeners, best ever conference. That's where you want to be, February 22nd and 23rd in Denver, Colorado. Put in the code TAKE5, T-A-K-E, and the number 5 to get an extra 5% off. Ticket prices go up weekly, so buy it today, besteverconference.com. You can read all about the conference at the website, all about the speakers. You can read about them and what you will experience when you're there, besteverconference.com. Best Ever listeners, we have launched bestevercauses.com. That's bestevercauses.com. We profile a nonprofit or a cause that is near and dear to our heart, get the word out about their cause, and also donate money towards their cause. If you'd like to, one, learn more about the causes that we're profiling, we do one a month, then go to bestevercauses.com. And if you want to suggest a cause that we profile that is near and dear to your heart, then go to bestevercauses.com. And there's a little form at the bottom of the page where you can submit one and we'll check it out.